This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is a premier male grooming company with the star Lawnmower 3.0, and we want to be able to share the savings with you, our awesome listeners. Use the promo code BLUECHIP to get 20% off your next order. Don't let your balls down. Get the Lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Condition. I'm joined, as always, by my colleague over at Blue Chip Scouting, the best co-host in the business, Devin the Verified Jackson. Devin, how are you today? I know you're not verified. I'm saying it anyways. I don't care. Doing pretty good. Uh, how does it feel uh, back hosting now after I did it for a couple episodes? It feels kind of nice. It feels kind of nice. And you know what? We, we took last week off. Uh, last Ooh. week was... A bit of a crapshoot in terms of both of us. We both had really busy schedules. Took a week off just to really figure out what we were going to do. So we've had an extra week now to watch prospects as well. Uh, and to figure out some logistics. You might be watching this on YouTube now. Uh, we're going to be doing this uh, where the podcast will come out on Monday mornings uh, on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. Uh, just another way for us to, uh, to to reach everyone. And it's also just easier for us to record that way. Thanks, Zoom. Um, but it feels good to be back in the driver's seat in terms of hosting. Devin, you have, I'd like to welcome you on June 19th, uh, while we're recording this, to officially scouting the NFL draft for 2023. How does it feel? Uh, it's back where it just feels normal again, I guess. Know, to be back and watching all these random guys so we'll see how many i get to this summer i'm um, already at 62 so yeah i'm just at three so. <laughs> i love the way yeah i'm just at three so three we're gonna kind of go back and forth uh by the way if you're watching this on youtube you can click right in around here here he, yeah uh, there will be a link for the Adonis Boone uh, interview I did, the guard from Louisville. If you're listening to this on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, it's actually going to be included at the end of the podcast. Hopefully that makes everything a little bit clearer, a little bit easier for everyone. So regardless, if you're watching us, you can go find it. If you're listening to it, we've given it to you. So, Devin, do you want to go first since you've got a few less prospects that uh, that you watched? You are, Devin, you, you need to hit, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I'll start with uh, Utah tight end, uh, Dalton Kincaid. Um, you know, he, he was one of two uh, really good tight ends for, for the Houston season. Uh, they Started with Charlie Brewer as quarterback, and, and obviously it got changed to Cam Rising by, I think, the third game. Uh, I think it was against San Diego State. They finally made the change, and then really their offense kind of took off from there, and, and you kind of saw uh, the emergence of, of the two times, Brett Keithy and Don Kincaid. Kincaid was someone that didn't – I think the most receiving yards he had in the game last year was like 78 or something like that. So that sounds like a tight end at Utah. Yeah. He's not like a high volume uh, type of tight end, but I think he's one of those guys that can, you know, kind of take that next step and, and 
you know, kind of be in the conversation of, of one of the tight, top tight ends in the country. Obviously, Michael Mayer is uh, most people's tight end one at this point or, or, or in the lead to be. But I think after, uh, you know, Michael Mayer, there's just kind of a, a wide open race for, for who's kind of next in line to be a tight end. I think we can put Don Kincaid in that discussion at the very least. Um, you know, he, he's a player that can threaten the seams, can, um, you know, really – get down the field and, and show off his athleticism. He's a former basketball player. Uh, Titans tend to, to play two way in high school. And um, I think he was like all state in, in basketball and football uh, in high school. So uh, kind of shows his, his ability to, to play above the rim. Um, he's a really uh, nice red zone target. You know, I, I want to say more than half of his touchdowns last season. He had eight and I can guarantee four or five of them came in the red zone. Uh, maybe more. He, he, he's a guy they look to uh, to get the ball quickly um, out in the flat. You know, they in one-on-one situations as linebackers, they they like what he does. He had a really nice touchdown uh, in the Rose Bowl game against Ohio State, where uh, he uh, did a nice toe tap in the, the back corner of the end zone uh, when both teams are going back and forth trading touchdowns before Ohio State eventually won it. So he he, he brings a kind of a toe package. With the one concern I have with him, uh, his blocking. Uh, he, he shows the you know the effort the the uh, ability to to work double teams, but in those one on one situations, I worry about his leverage, his hand placement, um, the ability to to move guys off the spot. It's, it's very inconsistent, uh, and, and you see his his pad level a little high as well. So, if there's one area of concern that'll be blocking wise, uh, I, I do think he can be an in line tight end, but I think he just needs to get stronger in the trenches and, and play a little bit better uh, in terms of leverage and i want to see kind of his uh the diversity of his of his route running you know i, I saw a lot of like flat routes a lot of uh, quick hitches a lot of uh, vertical routes but in terms of you know the complexity of the routes they weren't super complex but they ran a lot of two and three tight end sets so, so it makes sense why that happened uh, and, and they also have brad keith use more of the Flex tight end. Uh, they had another one there aside from those two, didn't as yeah. well, didn't they? Yeah, they had a, a third tight end. I'm gonna say he's a freshman or sophomore. So. No, like they had another one that was in this past year's draft. Like they were oh. like four or five deep at tight end. Cole I, Fotheringham I or something. Oh, maybe. I swear they were like 13 deep at tight end. Like they they had yeah. unnecessary an unnecessary amount of tight ends. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I kind of get it, but they also have some talent at receiver, so we'll see. But, yeah, Keithy right now, I'd probably say, since I'm probably just going to do day grades in the summer, I will give it's him a It's so much firm, easier, isn't it? Yeah, I'll give him a firm day two grade. I would say if there was a round, probably late round three, just because I'd, I'd be better blocking-wise, you know, from him. But I think he's a firm day two grade. I'm going to stick in the state of Utah, Devin. My first one that I'm going to talk about is Blake Freeland, the six foot eight tackle out of BYU. There's a lot of hype surrounding Freeland, and I get why. Like, I think people want to see Freeland to be like this kind of next in line of like Spencer Brown, where he's big and he's a good athlete. The problem is, is that Brown was a way better finisher in every aspect than, than Freeland was. Let me just bring up my notes on him. So, 
Uh, good leg drive in his kick slide for pass protection, able to mirror defenders and angle, uh, angle them past the quarterback. Can be beaten on counter moves across his body to the inside. I found that quite a bit. By the way, I watched Utah, Washington State, and Baylor. I think it's Baylor. It, they like feign outside, cut across his body, go inside, and there was no answer for it. So I'm not really sure what he needs to do in order to fix that. Uh, just it, you know, it's a really easy. You know, if you've scouted him enough, you just watch. Okay, if I feign outside, then go inside. He's got no real answer for it because that was how Baylor beat him. That was how Washington State got, you know, you know uh, won their reps against him. And it happened against Utah as well. So, you know, there was that uh, against Baylor, found himself on the ground too often due to overextending and reaching. And Devin, if you've heard me talk about these offensive tackles this year, what's my biggest gripe with, with them aside from stopping their feet at the point of contact? Overextending. This is a very easy thing to stop doing. All right. You're six foot eight with long arms. You don't need to overextend and, and bend to go and get your matchup. Just move naturally. Uh, so he's bending at the waist and I get it because he's trying to, he's trying to stay low when you're six foot eight. It's really uh, not that I have any experience being six foot eight. Okay. I'm six foot one, but you know, when you're six, eight and you're trying to stay low, cause it is a matter of leverage. You are more often than not going to bend. However, he's athletic enough and he's got a strong enough core that he can just sink, but he doesn't sink. He bends and he reaches. And all it takes is one good swim move and he ends up on his face. And it happened a lot against Baylor. Uh, good hand placement. Initial punch is powerful. Hands stay tight around the chest plate. So again, no problem with the hand placement. Adjusts to what's aligned up in front of him pre-snap. Communicates with his teammates. Not fooled by overhang and overload alignments. Good. Not an overwhelming finisher in the straight-ahead run game. Holds his ground, uh, which, fine. I, I, like, he's an odd build. He's like 6'8", 307. So I'd like to see him put on a little bit more functional strength and a little bit more size. If he could get up to, like, 320, 325, that'd be great for him, I think. Uh, like I said, 6'8", struggles with natural leverage, doesn't play consistently wide enough with his base, bends at the waist too often, doesn't flip his hips. Uh, good athlete, uh, good lower body flexibility, can unlock his hips and move downfield, can play right or left tackle, fluid athlete, movement skills allow him to climb to the second level and move down, or move, sorry, uh, climb to the second level or move down the line of scrimmage pretty easily, good to great, uh, footwork and pass pro, and he keeps his feet moving after initial contact, uh, overall summary, projection heading into, into year two at left tackle, plus athlete who needs to work on his leverage and add, and add functional strength to his frame. Not ready to start right away, but it'll be a good player to draft on day two and develop for a season. So he graded a 72 out of 100, which is an early to mid-day two grade. There's there's stuff to like with Freeland, but if you want, like, he's not going to be a, a fit in every offense. Like, if you want power, you're not getting that from Freeland, or at least not yet. This is a good finesse left tackle at, you know, uh, at the next level. For sure, <clears throat> don't forget to dive in this this tackle class. Because... By the way, so Freeland is talked about as offensive tackle one for certain people, or like you know the next one after Johnson and Skaronsky. He's my seventh uh, uh, ranked offensive tackle. There's there's stuff to like, and in this offensive tackle class, it's a mixed bag. Like there are going to be guys that do it for you, and there's going to be a whole bunch of guys where it's like, all right. You have a calling card. What is that calling card? And with him, it's that he's he's got size and athleticism. 
Yeah. Definitely uh, someone uh, to keep an eye out for. I, I watched him in passing when watching Tyler Algier last year. So uh, got a little bit of a glimpse of what he brings, but, but looking forward to diving more. Our next player I want to uh, discuss is um, defensive end or, or edge rusher. Uh, George Tarlis, he was originally at Weber State. Uh, but, but transferred to Boise State. I uh, actually sat down with him a couple of weeks ago to, to talk a little bit about his uh, his kind of journey to um, Boise State down. But uh, he a little bit of background on him. He lived in Greece until he was 16 years old uh, before he moved to America. He moved to Idaho um, and, and ended up going to high school there. He didn't play football until he got to America as well. He used to play basketball almost exclusively. Uh, but anyway, uh, Got got to uh, America, played defense. Uh, I want to say he played linebacker at first, but once he got to Weber State, came an edge rusher. A bit of a smaller guy. Um, I think there's a good chance that, you know, if he, you know, finished out the season, you know, as an edge rusher, they may take a look at him as more of a Sam or Will linebacker uh, because he, he has some great, um, you know, uh, track down speed and, and ability to, to move side to side pretty fluidly, uh, but but as a pure pass rusher, uh, he tries to overwhelm offensive linemen with uh, his power, uh, lower body torque. Um, not a lot of moves in, in terms of uh, you know, kind of uses speed to power pretty much, and tries to to turn the corner on on tackles. Uh, he, he did it pretty successfully. I watched a couple games of him. Uh, he, he watched the game against Montana State where he was. Uh, all over the field, and, and then also watched against Utah, where he was able to get some pressure, but but wasn't consistent. Um, definitely, play strength was was a big thing as it as it translates to playing the bigger programs. But uh, in terms of effort, ability to to get after the passer, uh, he, he does those things well, and he's still developing as a player. He's only been playing for what, maybe five or six years uh, total, maybe a little bit more, five like six or seven years, but. Um, He's still relatively new to, to to the game of football, and I think he's going to continue to, to grow. And like I say, he's a Boise State transfer. He had a really good spring practice as well uh, with Boise and, and someone to look out for. I don't think right now he's, a, you know, a, I would say a draftable uh, target just yet. I think he's more of the UDFA type right now. But if he has a big season in Boise, I think he, he certainly gets more looks and, and could be one of those late day three guys, uh, especially if he puts together a nice season. Of course, you managed to find a dude that's been playing football for like six years, wasn't born in the States, and no one outside of the Boise, Idaho area has ever heard of. That is the Devin Jackson specialty uh, during the uh, the summer scouting months. Uh, I'm going to go with a three-for-one special because they all play on the same offensive unit. Uh, I watched Louisville's offensive line, obviously. Uh, I had to get ready for my interview with Adonis Boone. However, the rest of that offensive line came away very impressive you start off with i'll start with boone because well you know he's the one that people have probably heard of on this offensive line uh just give me a second of course this is great great content as you find as you watch me find my scattering report eh uh down spoon there we go uh, moves well in a phone booth, shadows and mirrors uh, defenders effectively, plenty of power in his leg drive on pass sets, far from passive in pass protection. You know I love guys that pass protection, they're not just going back. They don't want to just kind of 
angle you pass the quarterback. They want to make you pay for coming at them. That is absolutely what Adonis Boone uh, is as a player. Uh, often jars defenders off the snap. Boone maintains solid balance in both run and pass games. At uh, times, he can get off center when going for a powerful impact block in the run game, but he doesn't end up on the ground too often. Uh, so he's got good enough balance to correct himself, but I'd like to see him kind of not over overextend. Uh, in the passing game, Boone's off center. You can often see him try to uh, pass his matchup off to either the center of the right tackle, which is good. So if you're watching this, this makes a lot more sense. But when he's off balance, and he's he's getting close to either being like where he's on one heel and on like a toe. Uh, you'll see him basically shift and move the defender over to whoever the the next closest offensive lineman is just so that he can get him off recalibrate and then he's usually getting back and still jarring and jamming at that same defender it's it's interesting i've never seen something like that you know had to make note of that happened a few times um that was against uh syracuse where like defender got him off balance he's back he's moved him and then as soon as he he corrects himself, he's right back on him. Uh, so, you know, very, very intelligent player on the field as well. Uh, plenty of power in his initial punch. Uh, tight grip once he's gotten attached. You know I like guys with, with good vice grips. Uh, Pre-snap recognition already in the NFL level. Not shaking my overload tactics and can identify delayed, uh, bliss, delayed blitzes post-snap and adjust accordingly. So, again, someone where, okay. I'm lined up against a three tech, three techs, you know, uh, there, oh, wait, there's a, there's a blitzing linebacker. Great. Left guard. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Center. You take this. I'll take the blitzer. Done. Um, power, plenty of power in the run game. Absolute bull in a China shop at the next level. I asked him like, you know, how would you describe your game? And it was like, yeah, I'm just going to come and hurt you. And this is a former two-sport athlete, grew up playing playing basketball, but gave up basketball because, as he put it, um, it's too soft. Basketball is too soft. He wanted to hurt people, which is good. Um, good, Solid anchor, sixes, sinks his hip, has good core strength, can be stood up if he loses the leverage to a shorter defender. Boone is six foot five, uh, Somewhat stiff in his lower half, not due to uh, weight or lack of athleticism. More of a factor of not being an overall part of his complete game. Uh, has played guard thoroughly at his uh, uh, sorry has played guard throughout his time at Louisville. Although there was talks of moving him to left tackle last year, never happened. Uh, can be used on pulls, and he's more effective in climbing to the second level with a full head of steam as opposed to moving laterally down, laterally down the line of scrimmage. Not very agile, but best use of a bowl in a china shop. Uh, displays good footwork and technique. Uh, Boone has played in 35 games, starting 21 in his time with Louisville. Translates as a right guard in a power run system. Not going to be a fit in every scheme. Uh, high flow, high floor, low ceiling player, uh, and could be a, t uh, a player that teams look at in the late stages of day two or early day three. So I gave him an early day three grade. I absolutely love Adonis Boone. I've been on him for, uh, a full year now. I found him in like April of last year. So it was great to actually get to sit down with him again, catch up, uh, very fun interview. And then, uh, I, I won't spend as much time on his teammates. Caleb Chandler, who is a PFF superstar. Everybody at PFF seems to love him. He's like their third or fourth ranked interior offensive lineman heading into the year. Uh, sixth year player has like 2,500 snaps under his belt or something insane like that. I have the exact number somewhere. Yeah, over 2,500 snaps. Uh, his fourth year as a starter is going to be this year. Um you know, not a lot of room to grow given the amount of experience that he has. High floor, low ceiling, improved every year. 
Um, looking for a day one starter, you can do worse than Chandler. I think he's probably someone that teams are going to draft late day two, early day three. Again, based off of, off of his age, the guy's going to be 24 by the time the draft rolls around. And he's got, again, you you start to wonder about when you've you know got I, I want to say 30 career starts, how much room you still have left to grow. Sometimes those guys go on you know in round three. Sometimes they fall to around seven. It all depends. Athleticism is going to be a huge, um, you, you know, uh, uh, proving point for him. If he's a good athlete, he'll go on day two. If he's not, he'll go on day three. And then Trevor Reed, their left tackle. Everything I just said about the other two, the exact opposite with Trevor Reed. The, the other two guys I mentioned on film, they don't really show like great athletes or serviceable athletes. Trevor Reed is all athlete and no no refinement. The, the, the man is 6'5", 300 pounds and doing cheerleader-style backflips, Devin. That shouldn't be possible. In pads! Um, that that should not be possible. Uh, needs to add more functional strength. Uh, summary for him, uh, only in his second season at the NCAA level after spending 2019 at the JUCO. Uh, only recruited by Louisville and Western Kentucky. Earned a starting left tackle spot. Played over, uh, played over 700 snaps. At this point, more of an athlete than a football player. And his technique and refinement, uh, as, as his technique and refinement continue to develop. Uh, good offensive line around him and solid coaching group in place. If Reed can continue to develop into a serviceable offensive tackle, his athletic gifts are the type that see players of his ilk drafted in the first or second round. However, on the field, he's still a work in process and relies too much, uh, and his draft stats relies on plenty of projection. So I gave him an early day three grade. He's, he was the lowest graded of the three, but I think all three have a chance of being day two players. Reed, if he has an uptick in, in, in his season this year, this is what people think they're getting with Zion Nelson. Gotcha. Yeah, I honestly haven't heard about those other two guys from Louisville's offensive line. Dude, there's a, quite a few uh, Louisville prospects, though. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I'm interested, obviously. It's a uh, solid team this year. Yeah, Malik Cunningham. Uh, they have tight end Marshawn Ford. Uh, a couple guys on defense as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah Diaby. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jermaine Lowell now. My my guy is safety, Kendrick Duncan. So they, they got some guys, man. Uh, so, so we'll see. Uh, definitely going to have to spend some time uh, in the ACC and especially in, on Louisville's uh, full football team because they have quite a few dudes. Speaking of the ACC, uh, watch my guy Devin Leary, um, NC State quarterback, someone that uh, I mean I loved this game since 2020, and and finally it's going to be his last season, and and finally you can, can fully watch him, expect him to come out uh, to the draft this year, but. Every year he gets better, um, and, and this year he was actually able to stay healthy. Uh, last couple of seasons were, were cut short because uh, of injury. 2020 was cut short. Uh, but 2021 uh, was a, a fully healthy season for him, and, and he impressed. 35 touchdowns and five interceptions. Um, very accurate. I want to say it was near 70% accuracy uh, on his passes completed. completed. And, you know, obviously the, the top two guys that, that everyone's going to discuss is, um, you know, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young is, is two of the top guys. But after that, I think I think the race is a little bit more wide open than people seem to suggest. I understand Will Levis is getting some hype, Tyler Van Dyke in uh, and, and Phil Jakovic. But of those guys, Devin Leary had the best season out of all, all those three guys, in my opinion. You know, he, he played an entire season, showed the ability to, to operate a 
high octane offense. I know he's losing Emeka Mezzi, uh, one of his top targets this season, as well as one of his running backs. I want to say was um, was it was it Bam Knight or was it CJ or um, Persons or Ricky Persons that left? They lost both. So they're they're reloading at the running back position. Obviously, Akim Aquano was gone as well. So there's a, a lot of moving pieces on that uh, NC State offense that that's going to be changed. But they still have Devin Leary, and to me, I think uh, he's not if he's not one of the best returning ACC quarterback this year. Um, and and I think he's going to show the ability to continue to play at a high level. Uh, we, we've seen NC State, uh, I want to say it's three players that played at NC State have gone star at quarterback, Phillip Rivers, uh, Jacoby Brissett. I guess you can count Russell Wilson, even though he, he got trapped. You can count Russell Wilson. But, uh, but yeah, I think he's going to be the fourth. I don't know if he's going to be a first rounder. I think he has a firm day too great for me. I'm, I worry about his ability to, to create off schedule. Um the ability to feel pressure. I feel like sometimes he just gets caught up in in trying to, to, to find people downfield. He's not feeling the pressure uh, as well as you would like uh, a guy of his uh, experience. Um, and, and I just don't think, yeah, athleticism-wise, you, you pretty much got to have a clean pocket for him for him to operate. But he shows the ability to, to push it all, all, over, all over the field. There's, there's no issues with his arm strength. He doesn't have elite arm strength, but he certainly has more than enough to to be a starter. I think at the next level, um, and and I, the accuracy is the, the big thing for me. I, I like his ability to attack the middle of the field. Uh, shows a nice touch on deep passes, and um, really, really use, utilizes the the back shoulder uh, throws quite a bit as well. And, and they're always on point, on target. So, want to see him be a little bit more consistent and feeling that pressure, stepping into the pocket. And moving around, I think at times he was playing a little bit scared because of his injury, and certainly uh, understandable since he's had a, a lower body injury the last couple of years. But I think for Leary, uh, he could take that next step, and and maybe we'll have a discussion of him being a first round quarterback at the end of the year. But right now, I think he's happens a, every year. Yeah, I, I think he's a firm day two grade right now for me. But but I think Leary should be talked about more in terms of uh, one of the, the top quarterbacks because to me. I think he he can crack that crack that top five, top six list. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you've listened to the podcast for any period of time, you know that Devin and I are big Devin Leary fans. Um, finishing off my offensive line uh, watches from this week was Missouri tackle Javon Foster. This is another guy that PFF is a big fan of. Uh, Mike Renner has him as a top ten player at the position, so I had to check him out, check him out, see what see what the the hype was, because that's the only place I've seen any Javon Foster hype. And initially, I wasn't even planning on watching Javon Foster uh, this week. I actually just wanted to sit back and relax and watch like some non offensive line guys for once. And I was like, all right, let's get Andre Carter. And the first game of Andre Carter I threw on was uh, was Missouri, and I saw. <laughs> I saw Foster throw him. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'm going to watch Javon Foster now after all. <laughs> um, so quick out of his snap on pass rush, covers plenty of ground. Great. Susceptible to counter moves. Andre Foster got him a few times with, you know, with the, you know, inside swim, inside rip. Uh, you know, guys just getting beat this year on their inside shoulder too often. They get overextended one way, beat the, uh, you know, on the inside. It's a little disappointing. 
Uh, but yeah, Foster got him a few times. But he keeps himself square against oncoming bull rushes, but can have issues with speed rushers. So Nolan Smith against Georgia also gave him some issues. Uh, has some room to, to grow, but his base level ability and pass protection is serviceable at this point. Uh, he's got really good balance. I think his best trait is actually his balance. Um, so you don't see him overcommitting. You don't see him overextending. Eyes are, are, you know, aren't over his toes. He's never really caught out on his back heel. So he's really good at like staying square and always making sure that like you know everything is lined up perfectly. Uh, very much a technician at this point in in his career. Very inexperienced player as well. Uh, Foster has decent hand placement and good initial punch, good enough uh, grip strength uh, when he has a defender clamped. Uh, you can sustain for the length of the play. High understanding of when to hand off his assignment to his guard and slide to a delayed blitzer. Not easily fooled by overload alignment pre-snap. Uh, can, however, still be found standing around looking for someone, uh, looking for something to do when he's not engaged, which is another one of my pet peeves with this class, man. I want someone to just... When you don't have a matchup, just go hit someone. Hit someone. Don't stand around staring off into space. I've seen way too many offensive tackles, whether it was Zion Nelson, whether it was Robert Scott. What Now we've got Javon Foster. I saw this a lot with Dewan Jones. Just hit someone, especially Dewan Jones. I talked about it when, when we covered him on the podcast. But when you're 355, I expect you to go hit someone when you're not doing something. Don't just stand there and not do anything. Um... Not physically imposing by any means, but can impose defenders at the second level. So he's not gonna gonna blow uh, a defensive a defensive end right off off the snap. But if he's free and he's going to the second level, he can definitely take advantage of the size mismatch on a linebacker. Um, good grasp of leverage and how to win in the run game. When you see Foster standing uh, standing when he's engaged, he's still the low man. So you'll see him kind of lean and pushing up, and he's starting to stand. And that's because he's basically got his defender off the ground. It's like that scene from the blind side where, where Michael has the kid off the ground and can go where he wants. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's really good at still. All right. He may be standing. He's six foot five, but he's still underneath you in some capacity. Um, flexibility, decent ankle flexion, lower fle body flexibility, which leads to him having good agility. Um, played a little bit at right tackle in 2020. Uh, his first time, his first year as a full-time starter was th uh, this past year. He played left tackle, solid yet not upper uh, tier athlete. Uh, they use him on pulls down the line of scrimmage and out in space on screen passes does pretty well. Footwork is tight and solid. Feet don't uh, cross when moving laterally. Keeps them uh, moving when fully engaged. So my summary was that he's only going into his second year as a full-time starter but, uh, after biding his time the first three years on campus. Not the most imposing or powerful tackle, but he's the type of, uh, of athlete that can make up for his average functional strength. Good balance and technique, but he's more of a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Given his age, he could be seen as a low-ceiling player at the next level. Projects to be a good backup at the next level, but he may never be a full-time starter. So we got a mid-day two grade at 65.5. This is this is a solid, you know, sixth offensive lineman on, on a roster. This is that third tackle, that swing tackle. You know, the Eagles get an injury to Jordan Mailata. He'll step in, play right tackle. They get injured. Uh, sorry, Mailata plays left tackle. If Lane Johnson gets hurt at right tackle, he can slide in there. I don't think he's ever going to be a full time starter, but having that guy that can that can play on both sides of you know of uh, of the offensive line at left and right tackle, it's very valuable when there are guys that go down with injuries every week in the NFL. Very true. That position versatility uh, for guys that aren't necessarily a uh, you know 
have a dominant trade or anything like that. They, they certainly uh, make NFL rosters and are valuable. Uh, there's a few, for instance, there's a few guys on the Saints that are utility guys like James Hurst. He's played guard, left tackle, right That's tackle. That's actually a pretty good comparison for him anyways is James Hurst. James Hurst was a good athlete but didn't have a ton of functional strength. And he's done pretty well with the Saints being that third guy. Yep. Yep, pretty much. He might play this year, so we'll see. All right, who's your next guy? That's all I got for this week, just three guys. Uh, all right, so we get to everyone's favorite part, part, which is Mike rifles through about nine prospects in five minutes. There you go. <laughs> all right, so the other guys I watched this week, uh, I had to just give myself something fun to do. So we watched Deuce Vaughn. And I covered the Big 12 last year. Everybody knows I was a big Deuce Vaughn fan. I, I promoted him quite a bit on this podcast. Uh, 5'6", 172. Doesn't play like he's 172. Defenders do bounce off of him quite a bit. This is a perfect jitterbug uh, running back. I I don't care that he's 5'6". I don't care that it's running backs. And I'm sure analytics Twitter is going to yell at me. I have no problem drafting uh, Deuce Vaughn on the second day of the NFL draft. I'm of the uh, I'm of the belief that you draft good football players when you can draft good football players, and I'm not gonna I'm not going to pass up a uh, a good football player for a worse football player. So Deuce Vaughn, good football player. I have no problem drafting him on day two. Uh, analytics Twitter can suck it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I went right to it. Um, I watched a few corners this week as well. I watched Eli Ricks, the LSU kid that's now at Alabama. If you watched Eli Ricks uh, when he was uh, a freshman during the COVID year, you're, you were sitting there going, man, LSU, it's not fair. They, they lost Derek Stingley due to injury, and Eli Ricks comes out and has like a five-interception season. And now this year they get Ricks and, and Stingley healthy, and then Stingley gets hurt again, and Ricks has a down year. Now Ricks is at Alabama. Like, there's a reason he transferred. This is a guy with good size. He's 6'1", 210, 215, something like that. Safety size playing corner. And he had a really good first game against UCLA. And he showed the physicality. And then he fought his own injuries. And you could tell that he was slowing down basically by the third week of the season. And I watched Auburn. I'm like, all right, the physicality's still there. He's able to, like, be in on tackles, but, like, the 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 technique at corner where did that go so i'm really hopeful in a, in a year with alabama where he's gonna have even more talent around him an absurd amount of talent they've got three safeties at alabama that can be drafted this year three you only play two um we're at we're at a point now with eli ricks where it's put up or shut up time if this sounds familiar to you it's because we're having this exact same conversation about Derek stingley last year and is there a chance that in a year at Alabama, Rick's, you know, turns it around, stays healthy, stays consistent? Absolutely. It's also a chance where he just kind of fades. And, you know, there, there's, there's enough talent at Alabama that he could very easily lose a starting spot if he's not playing well. Um, I watched Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. He had five interceptions as a freshman in 2020. He had three this year. Uh, I watched North Carolina State where he had a really good game against uh, Devin Leary. Didn't intercept him, but just had a really solid game. Watched him against LSU, and I watched him against um, Memphis. And against LSU and Memphis, he had interceptions. This is a dude that's like 
six foot, 190, physical, willing to step up on the run game. Obviously, really good ball skills. Eight career interceptions through his first two years on campus. I don't think this kid's getting talked about enough. I, we we've, we usually associate guys with high interception totals at corner or at safety as guys that just don't want to tackle. Manuel Forbes wants to tackle. I just don't think enough people have really figured out how good he is because we focused all of our Mississippi State uh, scouting last year in the secondary on Martin Emerson. Well, Emmanuel Forbes is there picking off passes and being just as physical. Uh, Emerson went on on day two, I think in round three, if I'm not mistaken. I think Forbes is going to be a better player. Wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about Emmanuel Forbes potentially as a first round pick. Uh, and then who else have I watched this week? I watched uh, Quinton Johnston out of TCU, uh, Trevor Sykema, and Connor Rogers of, um, of NFL Stock Exchange. Both love him. I came away with the same impression. I was... I. I I didn't like watching TCU's offense last year when I was responsible for scouting them in the Big 12. Uh, Quentin Johnson's fun. Dude's like 6'5", 210, jump ball receiver, but he's got some moves after the catch, which is great. Uh, I think that he might be a first-round player. I don't think that that's, that's too much of a hot take if you if you sit down and watch the tape. And then I watched uh, A.T. Perry, the wide receiver out of, out of, uh, out of Wake Forest. Highly productive. Um, I'm just not, I, some people love him. Some people think that he's like kind of a day two, day three. I'm in that day two range with him. I think he's a fun player. Uh, I'm not really sure what his upside is. Uh, I think, again, he's a he's a jump ball receiver. You're not going to see him making a ton of plays after the catch. I thought that Ja'Cory Ro- Roberson might be on par to him last year. And I had Roberson as like a, like a third, fourth at his peak. Uh, who then just kind of fell due to a due to a stacked uh, wide receiver class. I think with the wide receiver class being a little bit weaker this year, uh, we can we'll probably see Perry go higher. Obviously, get drafted, whereas Roberson didn't. Uh, but there's a lot to like with um, with At Perry. It's just what what's his calling card? Is this another like Kelvin Harmon, Akeem Butler type guy? And those types can scare folks off. Uh, other than that. I think I'm done with all of the guys I watched this week. I watched a lot. Um, yeah, that's it. So, Devin, is there anything you want to say before we hop on out of here? <clears throat> no, I just got a, you know, a list of more guys to watch this week. I started watching um, Xavier Gibson. He's a receiver of um, Stephen F. Austin. Uh, of course. So- like, the, how, did, how does this guy find your radar in June? I gotta watch the Steve Austin wide receiver in June. Well, I'll give you a little background on why. No, no, I know no, 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 no. Hang on, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not done mocking that yet. I'm not done mocking that yet. You're like normally when we when we say yeah, I gotta watch the Stephen F. Austin wide receiver. That's when we're in like March and there we've hit everyone else, and you're like, well, now that I'm at 400 deep, I gotta find some more guys. All right, let's find some Stephen F. Austin film. Devin's just like, nope, June. Okay, I'm done. So it's perfect time. But no, uh, <laughs> I, I, I know I found out who he was because I was watching Incarnate Word uh, play against Stephen F. Austin in FCS playoffs. I was watching Cam Ward. Still, okay. All right. I forgot that I, but, I forgot that he was at Incarnate Word. Yeah, so I was watching him, and, you know, they were going back and forth, and there was this receiver that was killing them. 
So I was like, you know what? I'll write them down for later. And sure enough, here we are. But that's the reason I find him. But I'm, I'm watching him this week. Uh, Stephen Alf also also has an edge rusher that uh, Jim Nagy featured um, over the weekend on Small School Saturday, uh, B.J. Johnson. Uh, he's a former Baylor uh, player. He played for Baylor 2017 and 18. Uh, the last two seasons, he's been with Stephen F. Austin, 6'6", 2017 and 2018, he was at Baylor. Yes. We're dealing with guys that started their careers like five years ago now. Yeah, but remember, the transfer rule wasn't in place until after that. So he had to sit out a year well in done. 2019. Okay. So, yeah, okay. So, so we're dealing with an old it. prospect is what you're telling me. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, edge rushers, they, they can go, they still can get drafted, even if they're oh, old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he, he's probably a day three guy, but he has some length and in, in, uh, ability to, to get after the passer. So, uh, someone that might be intriguing down the line if he has another big season, maybe he gets a senior bowl uh, invite. But, uh, yeah, those are two guys that are there on the list. Uh, try to get through some more quarterbacks. Might do Will Levis this week just to get that over with. Um, and then probably hit up some defensive guys uh, as well. Um, maybe I'll watch. I'm trying to think of who, who I might watch. I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'll figure out some, some power five defensive players to watch. Uh, my current list is kind of stayed the same. So, um I'm I'm putting I've been putting off Jackson Kirkland for a little too long for my liking, because this is someone that we all that uh, those of us that watched him early in the process last year loved and had him relatively high, and then he declared for the draft, and then he did then he undeclared for the draft, and then they weren't even sure if he, he was going to be able to play, uh, because of eligibility concerns and just a, a whole ass mess. But I'm gonna I'm gonna watch Jackson Kirkland. I severely hope I come away with at least a day two uh, opinion of him. I'm I'm scared to find out how bad last year was because uh, last year apparently was very bad. Uh, but I've also got Aaron Frost from Nevada, Warren McClendon from Georgia, Jordan Morgan from Arizona, who's gotten a decent amount of hype. That's just at tackle. And then at guard, uh, some more guys I've been putting off for a little too long. Uh, Grant Gibson, Osiris Torrance, Cedric Van Pran, and Ricky Stromberg. I'm already at 15 graded offensive tackles, and I feel like I have about 10 more to go. Yep, the, the glories of summer scouting. Yep. However, however, that doesn't mean I've taken any, any breaks in terms of other responsibilities for blue chip scouting. Available today... I did three offensive line units that could be in contention for the Joe Moore Award. So check that out on Blue Chip Scouting. Uh, always keep your you, you know uh, your eyes peeled on for Devin and I on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mike H underscore Draft. You can find Devin on Twitter at Real D underscore Jackson. Follow the show on Twitter at Big Shots Pod. Follow our work at Blue Chip Scouting. Follow Blue Chip Scouting at Blue Chip Scout. We will see you all next week. <laughs>